With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Love Talk Radio. America's quintessential iconoclastic anomaly. Wow. In talk radio, your host, Joe Cristiano. Welcome, everyone, to Liberty Talk Radio, America's libertarian voice, broadcasting from our studio in Tulsa, Oklahoma, to around the world. I'm your host, Joe Cristiano, and this is your antidote to popular talk radio. Folks, it's time for us to take back control of our government. Now, before this bureaucratic, oversized, and self-serving federal government starves us of our property, our freedom, our rights, and our liberty. But to do this, we must shed conventional thinking regarding our political structure. We need to be revolutionaries in thought, dissidents in action. Only after we recognize what our government is doing to our freedom and our constitution will we start taking it back. And this program is just about that. Today, we're pleased and honored to have a returning guest, Ms. Carla Howell. She's the former political director for the Libertarian Party. She is best known as a tax cut champion in Massachusetts by spearheading ballot measures to end the income tax and to roll back the sales tax. Go, Carla, go. <laughs> a genuine free market and freedom advocate that sets an example for all of us who appreciate life in a limited government environment. Would it be great to be back in those days, you know? Let's hear what she has to say about all the turmoil that's occurring today in our experience in Washington and maybe get a glimpse of what we could expect during our broadcast. Please, if you're listening via telephone, uh, you can call, by the way, and just listen in. If you don't have a, 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 your iPhone or whatever, your smartphone, 646-652-4620. If you want to interrupt us by asking a question or make a comment, please do so. Press the one button, 646-652-4620, and then press the one button, and you'll be part of our program. Okay. Carla, welcome back. Great seeing you. Great to see you. All right. You know, Carla, I... You, you've got me in a very, I, I mean, it's not new, but I mean, at this point in time, in an incredibly negative mood. <laughs> and maybe, maybe you can be my psychiatrist, psychologist, and, and freedom-loving person that, to bring me out of this funk that I'm in. Um, it, it, it seems that we have a president that has no philosophical basis from which he makes any decision. Um, he's somehow saving us all sorts of money by spending money and creating enemies around the world and bombing everybody. Um, and I'm supposed to applaud this for some reason. Um, uh, we have a uh, Republicans and Democrats and who knows what they're doing these days. 
but they're all fighting for their part of the pie, and no one is looking at the hellacious debt that we have that's going up so fast. In fact, I looked at the debt clock this morning, and I couldn't even read the numbers because they were spinning so fast. But the, 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 the second, the little second that you mention a number, it's well past that. Um, we, we are in a crash uh, course right into a steel girder, and no one wants to say anything. And what bothers me is that they'll talk about the, what the Republican solutions are, the Democrat solutions are, but they very rarely and maybe I can say never say the libertarian perspective perspective is. So I, I know we've gained a lot of ground because of Do- Donald Trump, because people are sort of uh, bewildered as to who he is, and they're listening more to the freedom people. But what scares me is that there's so many college students today with no practical, real-life experience that all of a sudden think Bernie's the second coming. So square me away. Send me pills, do something, but mm-hmm. it, please help me out. <laughs> well, I think in reality, libertarianism has gained tremendous ground over the past yeah. 10 and 20 years, including and especially amongst millennials. Now, the mainstream media would have you believe that, that Bernie is, um, is doing very well, and he's doing well with a certain percentage of that segment. Um, and he's doing well largely because he's gotten tremendous, tremendous media welfare over the last year by jumping into the Democratic race and getting on nationally televised TV debates with Hillary Clinton and, and, and just tons and tons of free coverage. Um, in reality, though, what, what a lot of people are subscribing to today is libertarianism, and we see this in the vote totals and exit polls of millennials in in elections so um don't don't be don't buy what you hear that libertarianism isn't doing absolutely fabulously well relative to its past it has had huge huge breakthroughs in recent years it is being accepted more and more and the fundamental principles as well as specific proposals of libertarians are being accepted much more if not embraced if not rallied behind um, like we have never seen before. And this is a reason for a lot of hope. Now, you're right, government c- continues to careen out of control in almost every way. And that's the way it's been for a long time and continues to be, and that's a huge problem. I, I don't mean to minimize that, but uh, there is a lot to be hopeful for in terms of the changing attitudes and acceptance of libertarianism, increase of vote totals for libertarian candidates, especially amongst millennials, and they are the growing population. Our generation is not growing <laughs> relatively in the voting bloc. So, um, so this is all very good news. And, but the most important thing of all, here's my prescription for you, Joe. Thank you. And that is you can't let them get to you because then they win. <laughs> And they're, you don't want they're, that, Carla, do they're winning. They're doing, a gr- they're doing a great job, let me tell you. They're doing a fabulous job. <laughs> but your choice is to say no. No, we don't buy it. We don't accept it. We know big government is the problem. Most people know big government is the problem. And the solution is small government. So let's get down to our specific proposals and why they will make things better. 
let, let, let me let me suggest something radical. And I, I'm not the first person to bring this up. This is brought up every single year. There are uh, many libertarians who feel this way. You know, they, there's such a thing as called the you know blue dog Democrats, which are I guess libert- I understand are, are libertarians. Wouldn't wouldn't the libertarians be better off if they infiltrated one of the parties, and then when the presidential elections came by, they had at least a forum from which you know they they can make their case rather than being the outsiders and never being invited. I ran for office twice. It was a horrible experience. Never got invited to everything. And every time I asked them, everyone blamed somebody. Oh, we would invite you, but it was really the station that didn't want you. You know, all this garbage. And they all lie. They lie through their teeth. But is there some credence to that? Have we tried that? Um, But, for example, in the last election, I think the libertarians would have gotten tremendous amount of press if they ran as a Democrat. Because who would you have? You have Hillary Clinton and, uh, and that other joker. And, and if you had somebody who was a real solid libertarian, you know, you would have, they would have got a tremendous number of votes. May not have won, but at least they would have been placed on the map. Am I just being foolish in thinking that? Well, I don't have any problem with someone trying. I I think if you look at Gary Johnson's experience in 2012 when he ran as a Republican before he switched to, to the Libertarian Party, they didn't let him into the debates. Would a Libertarian running in the Democratic Party be allowed into the debates with Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton? My guess is no, and that that is not a coincidence because the powers that be the sponsors of the debates, the special interests behind it all, they don't want talk of small government. They just really don't. And, and I think this is the fundamental bias against libertarians. It isn't personal. It's that they hate our policies. We represent the people. We represent what, in fact, a majority of Americans want on most major issues. The Democrats and Republicans don't. How do they keep their big government machine going? How do they keep the money flowing to their special interests? Will they keep talk of small government and, and libertarians in particular out off the table, you know, out of the conversation? That's the easiest way for them to control it. Now, they keep losing credibility the more they do that. Their disapproval, rep- record, uh, disapproval ratings keep going up, approval ratings down. And they're losing favor. They're losing voter registrations. The Libertarian Party registrations are growing. The other party registrations are shrinking. You know, we, we are winning in a lot of measures that you don't hear about, but that are very, very important. So you just have to, um, you just have to understand that's the game. That's the battle that we're in. If someone wants to try, I mean, they tried vehemently to get the, the right to nominate Ron Paul from the floor in 2012. And they were badly, the Republicans undermined them, the Mitt Romneys and others of the uh, Republican Party establishment um, killed their brilliant efforts. And there was a lot of very good and sharp, hardworking people in state after state who were working to get delegates to that convention uh, to support Ron Paul and to get him you know, they followed the rules, and according to the rules, right before they changed him, changed them at the convention, they should have had the right to nominate Ron Paul, that, but that was taken away from them, and they didn't even give him a speaking slot. They had to create a whole separate event called Paul Fest. The Libertarian Party was there, and others, many others were there of liberty-minded, um, liberty-minded organizations, 
and we had our own event, but they kicked him right out. And, and I would expect similar behavior from the Democrats if you had a bona fide libertarian running on the Democratic ticket. Now, if someone wants to try it, I, you know, it doesn't hurt for us to be fighting on all fronts, whether it's within the old parties in the Libertarian Party, um, and whether it's at the local, state, or federal level, whether it's filing lawsuits like the work that I Institute for Justice does, whether it's nullification like Uber, I think we should be fighting on all fronts and not discouraging any of them. Yeah. But um, what I find, and, the, and the, the pitfall that I find with candidates who run on the Democratic or Republican Party ticket is that they get pressured to endorse the top of the ticket in their party just as Rand Paul endorsed uh, Mitch McConnell and Mitt Romney. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, when you do things like that, Rand Paul now has to demonstrate in his career as a U.S. Senator, if he is able to do more good than the harm that he does by endorsing these old party candidates. And it's hard to measure the damage that it does, but well, first it obviously helps him get elected, whether or not it, you know, it actually gets Trump or anyone else over the line is can be hard to say, but it also, in the broader sense, perpetuates this myth that there are two choices, big government Democrats or big government Republicans, and that is exactly the myth that we have to explode. So when people run as, as so-called liberty or libertarian candidates on the Democratic or Republican Party, what we have to say to them is, fine, do we have your solemn oath? that you will never endorse a big government Democrat or big government Republican, yes or no. And, you know, go on the record and go firm and hard and, and you know, in a way that we can hold you to it irrefutably. Most of them won't do that. They will, they will play ball. And, you know, Rand Paul has said right out, I couldn't have been elected U.S. Senator in Kentucky unless I had endorsed Mitch McConnell and, and I believe Mitt Romney. I believe both of them was the deal that he made. And that is that is the heart of the problem when you run it with, with these other major alternative, I'm sorry, not alternative, old establishment political parties. You know, it, it's, and I, I hate to use this analogy, please don't hang up on me, but you know, the richest guy gets the sexiest girl, <laughs> you know, because he has all the money. And it seems that the, 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 in the Republican, in the political arena, you have, um, the, the 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 people with most money get get in the forefront. So I it's it, I I don't know how you get around. Well, I don't this. think Bernie Sanders had a lot of money. You know, he had media welfare, and media welfare is the best thing you can possibly have. But he was a Democrat that um, told people they were going to get everything from nothing. Absolutely nothing, you know, and the government will take care of him for life, you know. I mean, it's absurd, ridiculous, stupid, nothing. And my concern is that we have turned, we, we, we're, we're going through this evolutionary process. By, by the way, where is she? I, I can hardly see her. Is there a problem with lighting? Yeah, unfortunately, the, the room that I'm in is next to a window, and as the sun goes in and out, the, the lighting changes dramatically. Oh, okay, because I can very, hardly... Is it's very dark. Sorry about that. Or is she very dark on that screen? Or you can't do anything about that? Nope. Okay. All right. Well, we'll, we'll continue. We'll, we'll 
will play with your, your silhouette, so to, so, silhouette, so to speak. But um, uh, uh, it's, it seems that we have a, a mentality problem. If, if, if you read the history of the early 1900s, you find that people abhorred, who came here, abhorred government. They came from Europe. My father was one of them. He came from a, a country that was being taken over by the um, fascist. His father committed suicide because he lost everything. My father came here with nothing, absolutely nothing, not a penny in his pocket, speaking no English at all, and had to make it. And I tell the story a thousand times. His first job was at a Polish piano factory. They beat the hell out of him every, every, every night, you know, before at the end of the work because he was the hardest working guy there, and he had to be because he was Italian, you know. But they, there was a mentality that they, people didn't want government. People, people wanted – they ran away from government. They ran away from Europe to come here because it's the land of the free. And now all we have is we have people running for the government. And then the people who are doling out the money are taking the money from us, the productive sector of society, and then um, uh, making deals with industry, getting gigantic kickbacks, making multi-millions of dollars a year, you know, and these yeah. are the people getting elected. Uh, Carl, with all due respect, I don't see how we win this. I mean – Listen, I, I give every monthly to the Libertarian Party. You know, I have this radio station. This station costs me personally $15,000 a year. I've never said that on the air before. You know, out of my own pocket because I feel that strongly about it. But I don't, you know, it, the numbers just don't add up. I, I think we have a lot of wishful thinking. I wish there was something we can do about it. I would be right in the forefront. Well, I think that that is an, uh, the first thing you can and must do is lose that attitude, quite frankly, because it plays right in. If you were an advocate of big government, wouldn't you want to hear what you just said, Joe? You want people to be resigned if you're big government. You want your opponents. Now, what we want is for them to be resigned. Okay, right. We are marching to freedom. We are marching to small government. We're losing right now. Government's getting bigger. We're determined, we're growing in numbers, and we're going to keep pushing and demanding small government. And the Internet's going to help us because the Internet, like your show, is going to help to educate people why we need to do this and that we can do it. And a lot of what we can do is a function of what we say. If we say it can't be done, ah, our opponents are dancing and singing. You've made them very happy. That's what they want. And that's how a lot of how they've won today is because they have convinced so many people who are on our side who want much lower taxes, much less government. They want the troops staying home and staying out of these foreign wars. And they have convinced a lot of those people to resign because you know I, they, they say to themselves, I have two choices. I don't like Trump or Hillary. I'm not voting. And that's the choice that many, many Americans have made. If we can turn those folks around, our numbers go up dramatically. Right. And that's one of the reasons we are not doing much better at the polls right now is because our natural constituent, the people who don't want government largesse, who are not part of the establishment, are largely staying home and refusing to vote. Now, when you talk to these people, and I've talked to many hundreds, if not thousands of them, thousands, um, they're resigned on, as they appear resigned when you first talk to them. But when you get into a conversation with them, what you find is they are passionate about these issues. They do care what their government is doing. They care 
about the problems that it is creating, the burdens that it is placing on them and their families. People do care about this. And if they believed that their vote mattered, they would vote. And if they did vote, their vote would matter much, much more. And the more they vote, the more we win, the more we move in the direction of liberty and small government. So it's crucially important that we maintain that we are not resigned and that small government absolutely is possible. All it takes is for the incumbent politicians to either change their mind willfully, which they won't do, or because we run people against them and force them to move in the direction of liberty. One of the things happening right now in Virginia is we have a libertarian candidate for governor, Cliff Hyra, running against Republican Ed Gillespie and a Democrat, Northrop. Northrop has come out for decriminalizing marijuana. Cliff Hyra, the libertarian, of course, has come out for uh, legalizing medical marijuana, if not marijuana and all drugs. Ed Gillespie, the Republican, recently changed his position on this. Um, obviously, he wants to win. A majority of Americans now believe marijuana, recreational mar marijuana, should be legal. And he's responding not just to the people, but specific to, specifically to his opponent candidates, and in particular, Cliff Hyra, who is an extremely articulate, intelligent, wonderful candidate. That's Cliff Hyra, H-Y-R-A, running for governor in Virginia this year, 2017. And so this is how we can change things. Even if we don't win, we move things in a libertarian direction. So that's one example of how it happens. And we have to keep pushing for it, demanding it, and laying out the specific solutions that will make things better that non-libertarians can understand. And Cliff Hyra does that extremely well. Yeah. I, you know, I've been doing this since the 1980s, so I'm, I'm no newbie to it. I'm just so incredible. I'm, inf I'm infuriated and frustrated, I guess, because mm -hmm. I have friends that college-educated, masters degree, some of them, but they can't think because they accept what they've t been taught in school, whether it be in, in, in uh, uh, grammar school, in high school, in college, and whatever – and then they watch television, they get reinforced, and they'll say the same thing you just said, exactly the same thing you said, and then they'll vote for Republican or Democrat. I go, where's your logic there? I, mean, I don't they, think they're saying the exact same thing. I'm, I don't hear well, it. I don't hear them saying exactly they, what they'll, I'm they, They'll agree with you. They'll, let me put that. Okay. They'll agree with you, but okay. then they'll vote for, for their – if they, they were brought up as a Republican, they'll vote for the Republican, or they'll vote right. for the Democrat. This is what, what – what confounds me, and I'm I'm getting so incredibly frustrated. You, you know, one thing that really bothers me, <laughs> among the fifty thousand other things, is is that many times I talk mostly about economics and finance. I'm a closet economist, if you will, you know, and I'm always talking about economics and the you know, uh, currencies and you know, commodities, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And the, most of the people that I have on uh, on the program that uh, are experts in that field are multi-millionaires or billionaires. And there's one thing that, that, that they have in common, for the billionaire portion at least, is that they're all Americans now living outside the United States. You know, they know something we don't know. I mean, they got out of Dodge before the whole place burns down. And I really think they – I never asked them, but I always think it's kind of weird that I'm, I'm speaking to a guy and one guy's in Hong Kong – 
One guy's in Singapore, the other person's in Switzerland, the other person's in Argentina, one person's in Chile. You know, you think, how come you're not living in the United States? I don't ask them that question because I know the answer. And so we have well, money people that are, are leaving because they they don't they don't they don't have the the hope and prayer that you know I guess that we do. Okay. Well, they they may make that choice, and we're here, and so are three hundred some million other Americans who are going to stay. And so, what are we going to do about it? Are we going to just say, "Oh, there's nothing here"? By the way. Where are you going to go in the world? There's big government everywhere in the world. And, yes, there's places that are more economically free than America. But it, it, most countries have significant problems, and, and they curtail freedom in, in some very significant ways. So uh, there's no panacea. The same with changing states. Every state in this country has big government um, in their state and local governments. Some are worse than others. Um, but the important thing is wherever you go and whatever country or state you live in, you have the opportunity to, to advance freedom. And you do it by the way you vote and the way you talk. And, and especially if you go the extra di- distance like yourself, you have a radio show, you're a donor, people who you've run for office, people run for office, people who support those running for office. These are the people who are actually changing things. And keep in mind that this you talk about your friends who vote democrat republican well they have been sold on this bill of goods that you know the libertarians won't win we have to vote for someone who will win well who wins when a democrat or republican wins we all lose you right i agree you don't win yeah. we don't win yeah. they win their special interest pals win they boost their own personal careers and it and it and then they vote for bad stuff that makes things worse for everybody else we have to start thinking of winning in terms of changes in government policy, not which warm body sits their butt in a seat in a government office. Because who cares? Who cares if I'm elected or you're elected or anyone else? What matters at the end of the day is whether we move government policy in a libertarian direction or if we continue to settle for big government that keeps growing. So we need to convince people and talk about this constantly. And the reason that your, your friends vote Democrat Republicans, they just don't hear this enough. What they hear is you got to vote one or the other. And what they got to get is that that is not only a wasted vote, but it is you're handing power to big government politicians when you vote for them. You're giving them license. You're giving them permission to increase your taxes, to span new wars, to increase regulations, to jam things like Obamacare down our throats, pretend to repeal it and never repeal it. You know, they, we get more of this bad stuff. They want us to buy into it. I mean, think of it. Think of the reverse. What if libertarians were the predominant party in America? Or what if we had co-opted the Democrats and Republicans and they were both actually libertarian? Well, we would love it for people to only have two choices, liberty, that we may not be rats about it the way they are and keep people out of the elections the way they've been doing and rigging the system. But wouldn't it be wonderful if the attitude of every American was, well, I'm going to go for libertarian version A or libertarian version B. They're both going to keep my taxes a fraction of what they are. They're both going to repeal laws, not add to them. They're going to bring troops home, not start new wars. They're going to uh, forget about the idea of ever having an imbalanced budget and eradicate the debt, 
sell off unneeded federal assets, get rid of debt, get rid of perks, government employee pensions, government contractor pensions, and all the pork that's flowing through Washington, D.C. and state capitals across the country. And those were your only fundamental choices. And then there's some radical over in the wings who says communism, socialism, Bernie Sanders, or whatever. And everyone goes, they don't count. Oh, they don't count. They don't count. They shouldn't count. And let's not make them count. Let's say the only votes that count are the ones that result in a government policy shift in the direction of liberty. That's what we need. That's what we need to be talking about. You know, I, I almost got my hung from a lamppost uh, when I was at a meeting and they were talking about, you know, the, and, and so many people are, are repeating this mantra that, oh, the, the hurricanes that we've had in Houston, in, in, in the Gulf Coast, and of course in, in the, uh, you know, Florida, oh, it's good for the economy. It's an insane thought. But, and, and, mm-hmm. I, and, and, and I made mention, and please feel free to comment on this because I, I said this once and I, would, I, I said I'd never repeat it, but I'll do it on my own show because I, I own it and I can say whatever I want. But I said, well, um, they were talking about the money that the government, the federal government is coming. I said, well, no, the government has no money. They said, yes, we do. I said, how do we have any money? I said, we, we're $20 trillion in debt. I said, unfunded debt is, depending on who you ask, $100 trillion to $200 trillion. I said, we have no money. We're, we're broke. They said, oh, no, we can just, we just borrow more money and people buy our debt. I said, well, that's like saying, oh, I have plenty of money, and I, I have a big MasterCard that I pay off every month, but I do it by taking the money out of my, my Visa credit card. You know, I'm still broke. I mean, I'm, I'm just shifting the money around. And um, I mentioned, I said, this, is, this has got, got me in big trouble. I said, it's not the responsibility of the government to bail people out of Florida, the federal government. I said, if you buy a house in Florida, you better have insurance because you know every 20 years or so, the place is going to be blown away. I mean, it's, it's uh, historically, that's what happens. And if you don't do it, it's, it's your dime, not, not my dime. And right. I got absolutely, I mean, if, if there was a cross, I would have been crucified right then and there. Right. And I'm saying, but right. well, here, let, let me a, talk about a, that. It's a city yeah. item. And now the government, excuse me, if the government does have some responsibility, like if NASA got hit, it's a NASA, you know, they should be there. Now, if they need helicopters or something like that to airlift people out, sure. I mean, use the National Guard or whatever. You know, helicopters. Gonna, don't get me wrong. But I said, we should not be funding these people to live in a place that has no place. And the same thing happened in New Jersey when the, the Jersey Shore got washed away. And that, that, that bim, bim, I, don't know what, I don't know what to call them, you know, Chris Christie, when someone said, uh, why are you rebuilding the, the, this isn't a meeting. Why are you rebuilding the houses right on the water? They said, it's too dangerous. Every so many years we have a hurricane, it cleans it out. He said, shouldn't these people buy their own insurance? And he says, well, they can't get insurance. He said, well, then they shouldn't build there. And his answer was, this was his answer. He said, they can build there and we'll, and he says, and the, we'll pay for it because I'm the governor and I can do what I want. I mean, and everyone applauded him. I said, my God, they should have hung him right there and there. They well, should have hung him right on the mind beach. Who, again, the media distorts what people really think about this. Ask people in Pennsylvania. Ask for people on a fixed in, income in, in uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania, if they like subsidizing the vacation homes or the coastal homes of people along the Atlantic who are vulnerable to hurricanes. I don't think they do. 
anybody likes that. And, you know, you look at Houston, only 20% of the people in that town had flood insurance. Now, 50 inches of rain is a very unusual event. Let's, 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 let's acknowledge that. But just the same. I think let's talk about the solution. If I were president of the United States, what I would say is you got 12 months of FEMA and then it's over. We're giving you 12 months to fortify your home, get insurance or move. Okay. And if you don't do it, we're not bailing you out in particular, the taxpayers and the future taxpayers, because this is paid for with more debt. Um, are not going to bail you out. You need to either be responsible for owning a home in a dangerous area prone to tornadoes, floods, whatever the case may be, or you need to live elsewhere. You need, need to live within your means in, a, in essence. And that's reasonable. You get, so you don't cut them off immediately because people do need time to adjust. Maybe they do have to move. That's not a small deal. But absolutely, you're right. We, we need to, we're essentially bailing out people in many cases who have vacation homes or who, who simply want to live along the coast, don't we all? Uh, or want to live in warm weather, don't we all? Uh, but a lot of Americans don't have that choice. They can't afford it. And they're having to subsidize the people that do. So that is wrong. And we've got to put an end to, end to it. The other thing we can do with Houston and some of these areas that got battered by these storms is take the lead from Habitat from Humanity where they essentially said, in the case of these poor folks, we're going to exempt them from government regulations so they can build a house fast and cheap. And a bunch of volunteers come in and put up a house right. in like no, no time, right? Very low cost. We should do the same and say, in all these areas that have been devastated, we're, we're uh, putting on hold all these immense, pesky, costly building regulations so people can rebuild quickly and cheaply with, of course, the warning that they're going to have to get flood insurance in the future. They're not going to get bailed out. Um, and then when we demonstrate how quickly a city can be rebuilt, when we get all this building permitting out of the way, we extend that freedom all across America because one of the reasons we are less competitive than the Chinese and others in the world is because it's so darn difficult to put up a shingle and, and start a business or even build a home with all the rules and regulations that you have to comply with right. and, and permits. you got to wait two weeks for this guy to come in and then you got to wait two months for that to happen and then two more weeks. And this dramatically drags out the building process and the cost of building. And we got to stop that. So this is an opportunity to take the lead from Habitat for Humanity and declare these um, free enterprise zones. Jack Kemp used to talk about this as well. And, and apply it immediately in these devastated areas so we can show that free markets work and government bailouts are not the answer. Well, you know, if, if, if I always gave my sons, I had three sons, and, and all the money they wanted, they, they'd never find a job. You know, they say, well, why do I have to work? My father, gives me, my, my father gives me all the money I need. I have a great time. You know, that poor slob, he works all day long, you know, and he gives me the money. This is great. Nirvana, right? Well, this is what the federal governments do to the state. They say, don't worry about it. If everything gets flooded out, you don't have to be fiscally responsible. You don't have to impose, you know, restrictions on people who build houses. And if they don't adhere to those restrictions and a hurricane comes, they pay for it. What they do is they go to Plan B. They go they they go to the federal government. If there is no Plan B, you know, then they have to be fiscally responsible, and 
that's the sovereignty of the state. They have to be fiscally responsible in and of their right. own territory. It seems that right. what the federal government does that violates all that, and the states are more than happy to accept because they can be irresponsible, and then some guy in Kansas pays for Florida. I think that's all right. wrong. That is wrong, and we got to stop it. we got to lay out our proposals for phasing out FEMA and replacing it with personal responsibility, and we have to call FEMA what it is. It's a bailout of people in flood and tornado and hurricane-prone areas being subsidized by taxpayers who live in safer areas and by future taxpayers. The young voters, they're putting the bill for this because it's going, being added to our national debt. It's not fun. They don't go and say, you know, did they find a way to cut the budget to pay for these funds for Houston? No. Let's immediately lift the debt ceiling again and right. go into more debt again, and that was their solution. No. Yeah. No. By the way, that's not something, that's something that can end immediately as well. You want to spend money on a new little government program, which is inevitably going to be a bad idea. Well, you take the money out of one of your other bad ideas that are already in effect to pay for it. You don't stick it in on future taxpayers with debt. You don't stick it on current taxpayers with raised taxes. You cut spending. Cutting spending has to be our mantra. That is what we need in this country more than anything. Dramatically downsizing government, starving the beast, cutting their paycheck, taking away their allowance. They are not going to respond to anything but that. And we need a lot more candidates who run on that because it doesn't matter what your favorite issue is, whether it's a left-leaning issue or a right-leaning issue. Almost 99% of all those government programs, be they bad ones that violate civil liberties or bad ones that destroy the economy, they're funded with government spending. And we need to take their money away so they can't do that damage. Right. That has to be something I invite you and encourage you, Joe, to make sure this is mentioned in every show that you do. We have to cut government spending. Oh, oh no, I, I agree. I think government spending is 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 beyond even a, a, a is, is beyond irresponsible at this point. Now we're in the lunatic oh, yeah. part. And by the way, in the sure interest is. of full disclosure, I used to live in Houston. I've been through these rainstorms. I have been fortunate that my house, the water came right up almost to our deck, you know, to the deck, but the, uh, the front door, you know, praying that it wouldn't go over. But, you know, I had insurance. You know, you had to pay extra for flood insurance. I paid extra for flood insurance. I didn't expect, and, and if my house got flooded, I didn't expect anyone to bail me out. I had to bail me out. You know, right. literally. And anyway, right? I, yeah, that's right. Both literally and, and, and figuratively. But uh, I just get so angry that we always have a plan B. I don't want a plan B. I want my plan B. I want my plan B to be you pay for it. Now, I have to ask you this question. Tell me, give me a scorecard on President Trump so far. <laughs> you looked at me like my wife looks at me, you know. <laughs> Are we married? <laughs> I'll give Did you get that from my wife or what? <laughs> then what's directed at you, Joe? As you know. oh, I'll tell you, my wife gives me the exact same look. <laughs> I mean that. I'm sorry, but again, I'll allow you to end. I'll, I'll permit you to answer the question anyway. <laughs> he is playing out his presidency the way many of us predicted it. He's big government. He is a big government politician pretending not to be. And the first clue of that, a guy who ran on draining the swamp. Well, the way swamps work, when you drain them, you take the water out of them. <laughs> <laughs> the level of the water. 
Okay. And what has Trump done? He's kept it right up there and rising. <laughs> yeah. And that's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. Because if a person isn't interested, expressly interested in selling the idea of cutting government spending, government's going to stay big. All the bad programs are going to continue. Maybe a few will get a little better, but others will get worse. New programs will be introduced, and we'll have pretty much all the same problems that we have and a growing number of new problems because government keeps getting better. The way you drain the swamp is you put a big tube in it and start <laughs> pumping the water out of it. And you make sure that where that money goes is in two things, reducing the debt and returning that money to the taxpayers in the private sector. You do not keep it in the swamp. You don't have the pipe rerouted back into the swamp. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly what's happening. Private sector, so people and businesses can invest that money, spend that money, give it away, create charities, whatever they do, that is real economic stimulus. That creates sustainable jobs. And that's what we have to, that's what we have to focus on. Um, so drain the swamp means lower total government spending, lower total government spending. You got to be careful because they're tricky when they talk about cutting spending. They never use the word total government spending because what do they do when they cut spending? They just throw it back in the swamp and spend it on something else. Right. No one's even paying attention to what happens to that money. The media right. never talks. The mainstream media never talks about it. You might talk about it, Joe, but most of the media don't. Where that money has to go is out of the swamp and back into the private sector and or use it to reduce debt, yeah. period. Yeah. Well, I, I quite frankly, I'll throw in my two cents. I, I firmly feel, I firmly believe that President Trump does not understand what his job is. His job is to be a cap on Congress to say no. When, when people, Congress tries to enact something that's unconstitutional, he should be there as a stopgap protecting the people from a runaway Congress. But, but he's leading the parade. And right. he's got it all backwards. He's doing everything wrong, in my opinion. The man is a disaster as a president, you know. And he, he you know, people say he's a good businessman. I mean, he's a horrible businessman. He knows nothing about free markets. He knows nothing about cooperation. He doesn't understand the principle that when uh, goods trade across borders, bullets don't. I mean, he understands none of that whatsoever. And everyone says, look what a wonderful job he's doing. And I have to keep my mouth shut because I, I have no friends now. I'll have even fewer, you know, if I open my mouth. You know, I open my mouth during the program, and then I stay home, go home and keep my mouth shut. Well, um, I think more people agree with you than you may realize. Uh, what has Trump done? Who can show me something that he's done? He's going to have to answer that question. What has he made better? Well, supposedly a few regulations are being cut here and there, um, but how many more are going to be added in the end? We'll see. And, and who's really, really to credit for any regulatory reductions? Um, is it more certain members of Congress? How much does Trump have to do with it? Uh, you know, I think he honestly wants to reduce regulations in areas where he's been affected in his personal areas of business. Um, but I don't, I agree with you. He, he has no fundamental allegiance to the Constitution, to small government. He never has. 
he was there was once upon a time he was endorsing Hillary Care. I mean, he's he's been all over the map. Right. I have no and idea so what he stands. I mean, he has not, nothing. He doesn't stand for anything. No. And he oh, excuse me, I'm interrupting you. He said, "Well, I never knew this job would be so difficult." I'll say, "Hey, it's the easiest job in the world. You sit there, you wait for Congress to say sign this bill." He goes, "It's uh, two thousand one hundred sixty-five pages. I don't have time to read it. I'll sign it and I'll put no. Thank you. Now get lost." I mean, his job could be very easy, but he yeah. starts to negotiate and change things. He has no idea what effect it has, what the consequences are. But and and then he sort of he he um, bastardizes all the words that are in in that bill and presents it on on television as if he 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 just saved the world. And I'm saying this guy's this guy's a nutcake you know and i'm so tired of my friend saying but he's a businessman yeah a guy who filed bankruptcy actually six times not four six times you know been through three marriages is not not my my definition of stability you know knowing what the what the heck he's doing um I, anyway there Carla, are some we, people who've been married three times but that? anyway, <laughs> well, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not, I'm not chastising anybody. I mean, you know, people get in relationships. I'm just saying that people put him on a pedestal. Like, here's Mr. Perfection. He's, he knows everything. And I'm saying, no, he doesn't. He's got problems, like everybody else does. You know, and probably yeah. more so because. I've never been given a million bucks and I've always made money. I made it the hard way. I worked 24 hours a day and never borrowed money, you know? Yeah. So, well, you know. I think the, the important thing with Trump is to focus the conversation on what he's done, done and the results he's produced as opposed to all the rhetoric and uh, he's, whether he's a businessman. I mean, a lot of businessmen like Mitt Romney who run for office are horrible when it comes to government policy. So uh, the, the thing to do is challenge them and say, Show me a show me where he's made government smaller and made and where he has actually improved things, and and then let's look at the stack of things he's making worse, and and let's let's judge him by that because, you know, when you get people they just sort of get out of the per, you know the, the media has convinced everybody to to really dig in their heels against Hillary or against Trump based on their personalities and other you know the things Trump tweets or whatever. And, and what we need to do is get people focused on policy. I have maintained and continue to maintain that policy differences between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump are minuscule. Right. Absolutely. Very I agree. minuscule. I, I agree. And, and so if someone believes Trump's good, okay, well, show me the meat. Where's the beef? Show me the regulations he's repealed. <laughs> show me the industries that have grown as a result of his getting government out of the way. Oh, there aren't any? Well, I guess he's just another big government politician. Oh, you, you'll get answers, but 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 they're not true. They said, oh, he's he's created thousands of jobs and uh, uh, hundreds of companies are coming back. And I say, name some, and they can't do that, but they they give that answer. Carl, I've taken over forty five minutes of your precious time, and I apologize. I didn't mean to take this long, um, but I I want to give you the last whatever minutes, however long you want, to summarize things, close things out, and. Tell everyone that they should never listen to me again. (laughs) Well, the important thing is vote. Vote for small government. Check out your candidates. Two candidates this year, 2017. Peter Rorman running for governor in New Jersey. Cliff Hyra, H-Y-R-A, running for governor in Virginia. Vote for these guys. Support them. There's other uh, libertarians on the ballot in those states. There's ballot initiatives that are 
in the process of forming for 2018. Uh, pay attention to the actual campaigns and what people are running on and vote only for the people who vote for small government, who are committed to small government and who demonstrate that in the way that they campaign. That is what will actually change government policy. We can do it, we must do it, and I invite every one of your listeners to do that every time an election comes around. All right, Carl, I'm sure I'm not the first person to, to, to say this to you, to you today, but you are wonderful. I wanna thank you very much for being on our show. Thank you, you are wonderful too, Joe. I really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Bye-bye now, hope to hear, hear from you again. All right, folks, this is the end of today's broadcast. We'd like to thank our sponsors for the financial support, and we'd like to thank you for listening in. You can further the cause of liberty by recommending this program to your friends and let us hear from you. Our email address is comments at libertytalkradio.com. Remember, you're either allowing your liberties to be taken away or you're striving to protect them. That's what my wife says. got to be true. Until next time, this is Joe Cristiano. You've been listening to Liberty Talk Radio. Stay well. Stay tuned. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.